Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And now, it's the rest stop with Brad Restituto. Comes up to the pocket, fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay up! Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! Welcome to the rest stop episode 23 live on this Tuesday myself and Spencer the Wizard in Las Vegas nine o'clock Pacific time we come to you every Tuesday and Thursday uh, make sure you download the twitch app www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football and you can watch us live also on my social media platforms Twitter at Brad the believer and then my live Facebook stream as well and make sure to give us a subscribe and like on my YouTube channel search Brad the believer. And, of course, if you're coming home from work, going to bed, going to work, Landry Football Conference Call, the podcast platform, and then under that, search the rest stop. With me, as always, the great Spencer the Wiz. You can follow him on Twitter, at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, jump on here and uh, tell all the listeners about what you got going on every Friday here locally in Las Vegas, delivering sports and everything else you got going in the works here locally and on your radio side also. Yeah, I'm a busy guy, obviously, but uh, I did start at KSHP. Uh, I started delivering sports shows, a podcast I've been doing for two years. Started, I was a pizza delivery driver, and I just listened to sports every single time I took a pizza delivery. So I always stayed up in tune with that. It kind of inspired me to start a podcast. So luckily, I'm on 1400 AM now. It's a, it's a blessing. It's been really fun. And also, the reason I'm wearing a Christmas sweater, it's actually for Blue Milk Boy Season 2. It's a Star Wars podcast. We just made our debut yesterday talking about The Mandalorian. We do weekly episodes, so every time a new episode of The Mandalorian comes out, we will do the same. You can hear our thoughts on it and other Star Wars-related stuff we'll talk about too. But it's really fun, and yeah, that's what I got going on right now. There it is. Chris Wynn, join us. Chris, we're trying to get you on the show. We want you to pick games against myself and The Wiz. And of course, we love your hot political takes, so uh, definitely come on the show. Uh, one of these Tuesday or Thursdays, we'd love to have you, especially since the uh, election just ended and we gave our hot takes about it. We always love yours also. And I don't know what happened to your Lions this week, but in case you missed the last couple shows, I've disowned the Minnesota Vikings. They're dead to me. Uh, they've totally screwed up this season, and uh, I'm not going back on that. They're dead to me indefinitely. So uh, if you're just joining us on the show today, I'm going to have a couple special guests 
Magic Mike Dixon. You can follow him at Vegas Sports Daily. Mike Dixon and Dave Perry. Uh, they're going to give some thoughts on the Dolphins. Dolphins are one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Undefeated since Stute. Tua Tagovailoa took over the reins as the starting quarterback. Brian Flores gaining steam on coach of the year votes as the Dolphins have won a few straight now. Uh, and also Mike and Dave will talk about in college football, the Florida Gators had a really impressive win this past weekend uh, in the win column, taking out the Georgia Bulldogs. So uh, great job by some of the Florida teams and Chris Wynn jumping on. He's a Florida guy also. So we have just a trifecta, including myself, a quad of Florida guys uh, probably has some hot takes on uh, Florida sports as the Gators, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, not so much, but uh, all the other Florida teams doing pretty well. But as we start off tonight, we're going to hit last night's game, Spence, Monday Night Football. The uh, New York Jets took on the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots had a lot of guys uh, banged up, a lot of guys out, uh, just left and right, and it looked like they were on pace to lose that game. As the Jets had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, Joe Flacco looked solid uh, for about 50 minutes of that game. And I don't know what happened after that. The Jets possessed the ball for a minute and 24 seconds in the fourth quarter. And one of the most disgusting collapses, if you're better, in the history of sports in that fourth quarter, Adam Gase, you can see him in this picture here. Why he wasn't fired weeks ago is the most mind-blowing thing we've all discussed. He should have been the first one out in the NFL. What they're doing in this franchise, I have no clue. Trevor Lawrence may stay in school just to avoid this franchise. Uh, as How do the players accept or live with that kind of defeat? As they score a touchdown to go up 10 going into the fourth quarter, they let Cam Newton and the depleted Patriots have a 15-play-plus drive over seven minutes in the fourth quarter, set them up to kick a field goal, and Adam Gase and the clown crew have 12 men on the field, a flag thrown after Cam Newton trips on a third and one, falls down, and stops himself from getting the first down, forced the, the Patriots into kicking a field goal. The Jets have 12 men on the field. They get penalized, and it leads the Patriots to a first down. And for some ungodly reason, the Patriots still find a way not to score. The Jets force them to a field goal attempt. They're still up a touchdown with about six minutes to go. What did the Jets dial up their first play on that drive after having their defense on the field almost 10 minutes? They dial up a play-action pass where Flacco throws it in double coverage and it gets intercepted and the ball goes right back to New England in a defense that was on the field for already most of the quarter. How disgusting if you're a Jets backer or you took the Jets in-game seeing all the momentum they have and then absolutely fumble it away with Gase and the Dumbo crew over in New York in East Rutherford, New Jersey. What a disgusting performance, coaching, betting, everything all around. Joe Flacco was like uh, the Cinderella that turned to the witch at midnight after she lost a glass slipper or whatever. It's unbelievable. Joe Flacco was great, and then all of a sudden the pumpkin hatched again, and he was awful. And then they get the ball back as it's tied, as it's tied up. Flacco takes a sack, and then on the third down throws an incompletion, so they hold the ball for all of 23 seconds on that last drive, kick it back to the Patriots, and the Patriots found a way on a third and 20 to get 19 yards, convert on a fourth and short, and then set themselves up 
for the game-winning field goal as time expired. And for a lot of people, we're thinking that the Patriots may be the ones vying for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But no, not so fast as the Jets were the ones that struck midnight and they turned and imploded into the disaster that they are, giving that game away in the most ridiculous, uh, terrible fashion you could possibly think of. And what other franchise besides the Jets could do something like that? Spence, jump in here. What did you see with this performance last night in the fourth quarter by the Jets? I saw a true master class from Adam Gase is probably the highlight. You actually have a little bit of success running the ball with Frank Gore of all players. I didn't even know he was on the Jets, to be honest with you. Uh, he had a good few, a few good, you know, five yard runs. And you would just think, you know, like just mentally speaking, you're up by this many points. You know, you're really kind of just trying to dwindle the clock down. Why start trying to risk it and go for the play action pass? Don't go for the kill when you're up. Uh, it's just... I mean, this was the game I said they were going to win. And I actually said that because they were going to be playing under a new coach at this time, they were going to win. And you would have to imagine if in the same position, a new coach would not be doing this. Maybe he has blackmail against the owner. And that's like the whole thing that's keeping Adam Gase being fired. Maybe he knows this. Maybe he has like massage parlor information and he's he's just going to leak it. He can't be here any longer. I don't even care about the Jets. They aren't even a part of my mind. But when I start talking about them. It makes me so angry because (laughs) if it's happened to my franchise, I would be devastated. I would be depressed. And I would imagine a lot of people are. It's, it's like, it's like an episode of the three stooges. It's like the three stooges of the NFL where they just find a way to comically blow it up. It it may be worse because anybody watching or listening out there, I don't even think if you tried to script it the way that it happened, you could have ever in your wildest dreams have made it happen the way that it happened in that game. I mean, to to be up a touchdown with six minutes and throw an interception on the first play of the next drive without forcing the Patriots to use any timeouts, without blowing any clock, is so mind-boggling. I left my room, and to see that the, the Patriots had the ball back with no time coming off the clock, I said, how? How is this possible? And only possible with the Adam Gase-led New York Jets. Yes, who uh, the sports needs to chime in and are saying are tragic. That's not even giving justice to how disgusting and abominable this franchise and this coach is. Not only did you trade Jamal Adams and run Le'Veon Bell out of town, Le'Veon Bell out of town, you trade away a linebacker. Sam Darnold, we don't know what, what's going on with him from week to week. You definitely are making him look like a worse player than he actually is. Adam Gase leading this team with that buffoon Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator, that idiot who was putting bounties on people who shouldn't even have a job in the NFL, and you saw them on hard knocks. The guy can't even speak for three minutes without having curse words flying out of his mouth. Clearly, he's overrated as a defensive coordinator. What the hell kind of defense were the Jets running in the fourth quarter, letting Cam Newton sit back there on a third and 20, and and Jacoby Myers is able to run an 18-yard curl with no pressure on Newton. And Newton has to fump, pretty much trip himself up to, to not get in the end zone in that game. It's just, I, I don't know how it's possible with NFL players for last night to happen the way it happened. And, and Chris, I actually have a ticket on the Jets to go 0-16. So, yes, it sounds like 
uh, I bet New York money line, and I probably did in game, and that's why I'm so pissed off because as they had a ten point lead, I don't know why, but I thought I would bet them to just win in game a plus money. It did not happen. So you you are right. You did scope me out and understanding uh, my frustration. But even if I was a Jets fan, it, it's very it's very gross and disgusting. And you'll hear this same type of energy when I talk about how the Minnesota Vikings all of a sudden came out of a bye week looking like they're fighting for a playoff berth in a one-win team. Some of this stuff is so head-scratching with teams in this COVID-shortened season with with no preseason. A lot of these coaches are probably going to get buys. Like Mike McCarthy, he'll probably be around. He's going to get a pass. The Vikings would probably get a pass if they had two wins on the season. But that's not happening. And from week to week, you see some of the most crazy things that you can possibly imagine uh, with, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jake Luton, who's never taken a snap in the NFL, comes in, throws a 73-yard touchdown his first play. All of a sudden is in the game against arguably one of the worst defenses in the league in the Houston Texans. But how are they how they're even in that game? I have no clue. So we don't really know who the front runner for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstake is because will Jacksonville win another game this year? Obviously the Jets flirting with victory and almost ruining their chances of a guaranteed Trevor Lawrence. So from week to week, it's something to monitor because this quarterback class arguably is going to be one of the top quarterback classes we've seen in quite some time with Justin Fields, um, Trevor Lawrence, the kid from North Dakota state. Um, I don't know why his, his name is, Flipping my mind. Uh, and then the kid from BYU, he's getting some steam. Uh, so there's going to be some quarterbacks that are going to be Trey Lance. That's right. Trey Lance from North Dakota State and the kid from BYU, I think his name's Young. Uh, he's getting some steam too. So this quarterback class is going to be pretty strong and, and pretty touted. So uh, a lot of these teams that aren't doing too much will be in the market for a quarterback. They're wanting to position themselves in prime time to have an opportunity in one of these guys and the jets almost blew that opportunity, but they did not. And we'll see what Jacksonville does. Jacksonville does. They almost won this past week against Houston, but then Houston, they're so bad, even with Deshaun Watson, that it doesn't, you don't know what they're going to do from week to week. Uh, they, they barely beat Jacksonville. So uh, that's a team that can be in the sweepstakes, but as we transition from Jets talk, we'll keep it in the AFC East and we'll bring on one of our guests right now. And, and Spence, you joined this conversation also. Dave Perry. Dave, and you noticed him. He was on the rest stop a few weeks ago, picking against myself and the Believer. Uh, Dave is a big Dolphins supporter and also Florida Gators as well, as they have it, had a big win this past Saturday against the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Dave, where do you want to start? How about you start with the Gators and talk about their wins Saturday, what you saw on the field. Uh, they looked pretty strong beating uh, a big rival in the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, it looked really scary at the beginning of the game. I mean, they spotted them 14 points, and I was just like, this is going to be a long Saturday. But they picked up. Um, their defense is still sketchy. That's the scary part about them. Like they can, If it's just about scoring points, they can run it up. Um, pretty well. Their receiving core is stacked. Um, they got the best tight end in the country. Uh, Trask is money right now. Um, their running back core is pretty good. It's just their defense is just it, their pressure is on the is not getting to the quarterback very well. Now we have been uh, ravaged by the uh, 
Corona. Um, I think we had like so far, like 20 something players have been infected or in, in the, um, uh, in close, uh, quarters or whatever, where they have to, um, be either out of a game or out of practice. And that's kind of screwed up with the defense, but, um, it's just crazy because the defense has been like the backbone and the last couple of years, it's been, if we have an offense, we're going to kill it. And this year our offense is killing it. And the defense is, I mean, there, there were some plays against Georgia on Saturday that uh, you and I could have thrown the football and scored. Okay, Dave, also your your Miami Dolphins, since they've put two in the starting lineup, uh, they've been pretty hot. Give us your quick take on, on Brian Flores and then the transition from Fitzpatrick to Tua. Uh, Brian Flores is the epitome of a good coach. I mean, he does everything right. Um, he's building a culture in Miami, and it's nice to see because the last few years in Miami have been an abject failure from their coaching to their draft picks to all that. And it's like a breath of fresh air seeing the players buy into a system, seeing how they the, a lot of players I feel are playing above their means in some ways and uh, I was a little worried about the Tua experiment the first game because they really handcuffed him. I mean, really to to I to me to the detriment of him. Um, I felt to them ham uh, them handcuffing him actually made him play worse. And uh, I was uh, very very impressed by um, how well he played in his, uh, the the second game. Um, he made some uh, some amazing throws um, that you just you know, a lot of quarterbacks can't make. He still holds on to the ball too much, um, but that's a rookie thing. And um, that's one of those things where, uh, you know, you don't, the, without the preseason, without the uh, the practices like normal, um, it's, you know, the reps aren't there. That's Dave Perry joining us on the rest stop. You can see us every Tuesday and Thursday live, nine o'clock Pacific time, along with Spencer the Wiz. And then also you can email the show at reststoppodcast at gmail.com. You'll see right there. Another guy I'm going to add to the conversation, you can follow him at Vegas Sports Daily as he owns and operates out here in Las Vegas and one of the diamonds in the rough in the media industry here in Las Vegas. He used to cover the Dolphins, and he's a Florida boy as well, along with myself and Dave. Mike Dixon, welcome to the conversation, and thank My you God. for joining us on What's the Rest up? Up? Good to see you all. Great to see you, Mike. Mike, tell us what your thoughts are watching the Dolphins this year run out to a 5-3 and three record, I believe is the record up to this point in the season, correct me if I'm wrong, and now pulling off a nice string of victories as they came out of the bye week and they gave the reins over to the rookie Tua Dagaviola. Uh, nice win on the road today, or I'm sorry, this past Sunday, going to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and the, and the Cardinals. That was an explosive game. What are your thoughts on the Dolphins? They're playing really good football right now. Um, one quick question. What's the name of this show? The Rest Stop right now? Hello, sports fans. We're at the Rest Stop right now. If you're paying attention to the Miami Dolphins, you might as well get on the bandwagon now since we're at the Rest Stop. Because, listen, I've been telling you all for two years on Twitter. Two years. Listen, Tua is the guy. Now, I know he only played two NFL games. Yes, it was very limited against the L.A. Rams in week one, but – that's expected. And I want to throw out this quick analogy. Hopefully you, Spencer Wiz, you'll get this. Do you remember Spider-Man um, Homecoming or Far From Home? 
and his best friend Ned, when it was like, oh, oh, Tony Stark's put the uh the training world protocols on your suit, you gotta take it off. Well, listen, when Arizona, uh, when the Dolphins went to Arizona for a two a second game, Chan Gailey is Ned's to uh Spider-Man's uh to a tongue below. Excuse me if I kind of confuse you all there. But he said, listen, we're gonna we're gonna remove some of these systems inside and just to basically let him go, let him play, let him play like he was in Alabama. And if you watch that press conference, uh, Chan Gailey said that. He said, you know what? He looked like he was back in his form in Alabama days, rolling out the pocket, going right, going left. And my biggest thing about Tua, um, I think it was in the second quarter at the very, uh, the second play, he threw a 35-yard pass to Isaiah Ford and he connected right on the money, right? Now, if Isaiah Ford did not fall, that would have been a bomb for at least 70 yards. So we know the anticipation is there. The accuracy is there. Tua is here. Guys, you got to buy into this. Coach Flores, the team. Team, team, team. That's what he stressed about this Dolphins team. And now national media and all sports teams are paying attention to the Dolphins. That's what it takes for you to go on a four-game win streak. That's just my quick input right there. Sorry, I, I go on a little rumble for a sec. Uh, guys, Tua was 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. In that game, he also had seven rushes for 35 yards, which is which is big. And something you need out of the quarterback position uh, in, in 2020 in the NFL. You need a quarterback that can extend plays with his legs. Tua can do that. And, uh, look, he's just going to get better moving forward. Um, to total yards in that game, the Cardinals outgained the Dolphins 442 to 312. Uh, but the passing efficiency was there. Uh, the Dolphins were three of three in the red zone, and they didn't turn the ball over. So that was important for the Dolphins to obtain a victory and to continue their winning streak against the Cardinals. Now with the playoffs being expanded – there's going to be a lot of competition there, guys, for that last playoff spot. And, Dave, I want you to start off here. You've got a Pittsburgh Steelers team that's undefeated, and it looks like the Ravens are playing good good football. So the Ravens may lock up one of those wild card spots in the extended playoff format. You've got the Dolphins, the Raiders, who are playing good, the Colts, who have a winning record. It's going to be quite the jumble in the AFC to obtain those last – two wild card spots is there's going to be three now total in each conference. Well, I, I think that you're uh, selling the Dolphins short. Um, I actually think we're going to win the East. Um, I think that, uh, mm. I think, I think that we're peaking or, or we're not peaking. I think we're kind of um, starting at the bottom and we're moving up. Um, I have faith in the defense. We have the best special teams in the NFL right now. Uh, they're on lock. I mean, the well, last Dave, Dave elaborate on that because those of us who haven't been able to watch the dolphins week in and week out, talk about, about the special teams as a whole and, and break it down because that's a, a part of the NFL. A lot, not a lot of people talk about and, and to be so well coached up on that side of the ball. Uh, it, 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 it really breeds wins and losses for teams. So go into a little detail about what you've seen from uh, the dolphins, Brian Flores and company on the special team side. Well, Sanders' money, um, I think he's missed only like one field goal in the last uh, like four games, um, and I think that was over 50. 
Um, I'm not even, I, to be honest with you, I don't even think he's missed one, but uh, I'm just giving them the benefit. I'm giving my brain the benefit of the doubt. Um, they're, um, they've had at least one um, kickoff return or punt return in the last two games. Uh, they're just uh, all facets. They're not giving up any big uh, returns uh, either on the kickoff or the, the uh, punt. It's just, it's the little things. And, you know, it's it's cliche and all that to say, like, football is inches and all that kind of stuff. But but in a way, you win the games by the little stuff. I mean, unless you're uh, Kansas City and you're blowing everybody out because your team is just better than everybody. I mean, that's like a Madden team. Um, but it, it's, it's, you know, when you're a team like the Dolphins that don't have a long list of stars, it's kind of like the workman mentality. Everybody you know, brings their lunchbox and their hard hat and they're going to do their little spot and, you know, it, it make it happen. Spencer, the Wiz, you've been off the Dolphins here the last few weeks as you've kind of thought that the rookie quarterback, they may come, come down to size. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Are you going to stick with that same mentality? And, and what are your thoughts now that the Dolphins have put together a few wins in a row? Spencer, the Wiz. Yeah, for sure. It was more of a gamble type of thing that the rookie quarterbacks coming in. But the one thing that's impressed me the most about Tua, and he showed this in college when he comes in in a national championship game out of nowhere, he he loves the big moments. He's not scared of the big moments. And we've seen that actually a lot recently from rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Joe Burrow kind of seems to be the same way. But you look at guys like Joe, uh, like Herbert, uh, when it comes to the Chargers, they don't have that kind of juice. Not to say that he doesn't have the juice or anything like that, but it, that's something that stood out to me. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the Dolphins are actually in the lower third of yards per game. They allow some of the most, but they're also fourth in the league in points per game. So I think a lot of that comes from red zone defensive efficiency, which is quite unique. Although I, I don't know if they can bank on that forever, giving up that many yards. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, the, the biggest game of their season to me is next week against the against the Chargers team that is obviously capable of putting up points. If they were to lose that one, that'd be pretty tragic. I would almost certainly uh, get them out of the playoff race and I know it sounds kind of harsh but if that's a performance that we can expect from them going forward but if they win and take care of business like I guess they'll probably be favored in that game then we'll have to legitimately look at the Dolphins as a playoff team which is just crazy to say because not a lot of people predicted that going into the season yeah guys the Dolphins have won four straight coming into this next game this Sunday against the Chargers at home in Miami uh, and then the rest of the way for the Dolphins, they travel to Denver to take on the Broncos, travel to East Rutherford to take on the Jets, at home against the Bengals, at home against the Chiefs, at home against the Patriots. They travel here to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders, and then they finish off the regular season in Buffalo against the Bills. So there's some winnable games there, absolutely, for the Dolphins. Like Dave said, some of those divisional games, they do have an opportunity if they hold court in division to really vie for uh, that AFC East. I think they're only one game in the loss column behind Buffalo. Correct me if I'm wrong there, guys. I think Buffalo has two losses on the season. The Dolphins have three. So in the loss column, they're only one game behind. It's definitely within reach. We know Buffalo can be very inconsistent. They had a great game this past Sunday against Seattle, which Seattle has a very bad defense, uh, but we know at times that they can lay an egg. So, you know, I'm high on Josh Allen, but he hasn't been as consistent as I would like for my money here the past month, although we had a great game this past Sunday. Guys, I do want to transition here locally into some Raiders talk. 
Mike, I want you to start this one off. The Raiders had a really impressive win on the road against the Chargers. It came down to the last play that had to be reviewed, uh, but they found a way to hang on. The Raiders are another team in this conversation for this playoff berth. They've had a lot of unexpected wins, but this is a really big one here in division against the Chargers. Well, they first of all, they, uh, Derek Carr is like, hey, we need to be aggressive immediately. Like, well, they were aggressive. And he said that after um, the press conference. And to obviously to win the division, uh, that, that's where it starts at. Obviously, Kansas City, that, that's a major hunt to get over right now. But um, ultimately, to win a game on the road, SoFi Stadium, uh, with literally a second on the clock and for that defense to show up. And they've been struggling. Um, obviously, you no know, pass rush. The secondary um, obviously still has questions there. But at the end of the day, um, I, I do expect the Raiders to at least maintain that sixth seed in the AFC right now because, you know, look at it. The Dolphins, seventh. Uh, Browns are in the eighth spot in the uh, AFC conference. So I, I do like the Raiders' um, chances to make the playoffs. But you got to go down that, that schedule right now. Can you um, at least name the next three games that's coming up for the Raiders? Um, I do not know off the top of my head. In fact – what do we got here? Week 10, Denver, Kansas City, Atlanta, Denver, winnable, Kansas City, winnable, and Atlanta, definitely winnable. And it's at Atlanta. So I don't know. I, I, I can see the Raiders at least winning like 10, 11 games this season. Spence, you were finally on the Raiders in our pick segment this week. You weren't, you haven't been very much this season. What did you see as a whole, top to bottom? A Chargers team who is very talented, but they just find a way to lose every single week. Uh, Anthony Lynn will be fired at the end of this year. I don't care what excuses you want to make. You just can't lose this many games in the fashion that they have and keep your job. Uh, So what have you seen out of the Raiders? They have been undermanned and hurt and injured in a lot of areas this year. John Gruden and company continue to find a way to put on good coaching performances, stick guys in, uh, next man up mentality, and they keep finding ways to win important games. Yeah, there's a lot to to digest with this game. And I guess I can start with Derek Carr, who has this incredible throw on the run to Renfro. But we also see he fumbles it at the end of the second half, something that you absolutely cannot do. You have a third and short that could have essentially ended the game. He ends up throwing it deep into a double team, which is just so bizarre. And I'm not trying to take everything away from him. I know I criticize him a lot, but he ultimately did have a good game. He sacrificed his body by jumping over somebody, had the good deep ball to Aguilar, although that was more an Aguilar than it was Derek Carr. So we've seen him transform a little bit throughout the season. You know, For some reason, it felt like he got kick-started after the interception with the Chiefs. That was kind of like his defining moment of the season. But at the end of the day, nothing's going to happen because they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Corey Littleton has been awful. Okay, and I also want to discuss this. I saw two articles this week, one about Jonathan Hankins saying he's the best defensive tackle against the run this season. That's a bunch of baloney. Uh, Cleveland Farrell's the highest rated uh, defensive end or he's like the highest defensive rated player for the Raiders. Well, he has zero sacks this season. It hasn't really come up with anything. Anybody who says that Max Crosby is uh, worse than Cleveland Farrell obviously isn't watching the product on the field. So I think that's where stats can be a little, uh, you know, deceiving in that sense. So 
this isn't a great Raiders team at the end of the day. I've been against them a lot this season. They've, they've had a couple big wins, uh, uh, definitely ones that they shouldn't have gotten. But I can easily see them losing any game week to week. And we saw this at the end where you have the field goal and you're like, oh, it's relying on the defense. And suddenly they march right all the way down and you get very lucky that a guy drops the ball. It really had nothing to do with Isaiah Johnson. And really the guy just when he fell on the ground, it bounced off the floor. So I don't see them taking one of the wild card spots. I'd much rather take the Dolphins there and that's and or the Colts. I think those are the two teams who are the front runners. But like if they could easily lose to the Falcons and if they do that, there's no way they're making the playoffs. Uh, guys, B- Benny Superfly is a big, a big Raiders fan. He's on the uh, – not a big Raiders, big Chargers fan on the chat. Uh, I want to stick with the Raiders, but if you're the Chargers and Anthony Lynn more than likely will be out, if you're Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Chargers, would Eric Bieniemy not be first on your list? This guy played running back for the Chargers. Uh, L.A., up and coming, that stadium is top of the line. They're going to be holding Super Bowls there. Would Eric Bieniemy not be the front runner and the guy that they would want for that position, and he'd be inheriting uh, potentially a star quarterback and rookie Justin Herbert? I think Eric Bieniemy may be the guy that should be the front runner for that job. What are your guys' thoughts? Yes, real quick, I just want to say this. Um, first of all, with Anthony Lynn dating back to last season and this season, what is the most unique stat about this team that he's coached when it comes to losses? Everybody at one point. <laughs> exactly. If you give that team with a, a promising quarterback and Justin Herbert to Eric, and then you obviously in place the system and get a few players that that fits his system on offense and defense. And then also again special teams. You cannot leave out special teams because that is one third of the game. And you know you just find those special gems, man, late in the um, draft or undrafted free agents. But you give them. All those pieces together, I, I think they can go far. But me personally, I want to give Anthony Lynn at least one more season because it's a very strange season, 2020. And I just feel like I wouldn't just let him go that fast, personally. Uh, normally, I may agree with you, Mike, but I just don't think, regardless of the, the circumstances surrounding the season, the way that they've lost so many games this year – I, I don't think you can recover from that. It, I don't think it's possible. Uh, I don't know how Adam Gase has survived this long. Anthony Lynn is not in that same category. But to lose in the fashion so many times the way the Chargers have, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think he's going to have another opportunity. Guys, as the wait, Raiders – You guys touched on this early in the uh, show um, about Bill Belichick and Adam Gase and how they had that game in the hands – Man, it really all does boil down to coaching. And again, Belichick outcoached Adam Gase. I know it's, I can probably outcoach Adam Gase. Spence can, you can, Cassandra can. Listen, but it really comes down to coaching, man. And you do not give up uh, a third and 20 on 18 when Cam had that scramble. It's, that was prevent defense, man. That's terrible. And I've seen that in Miami with uh, Adam Gase. He's made those same mistakes. And then, I'm sorry if I keep bringing it back to uh, the Dolphins, but with Ryan Tannehill, you, you let Tannehill go to – well, you trade Tannehill to Tennessee, and he's become a star. Man, it, it boils down to coaching, man. And I, I, I believe in uh, Anthony Lynn as a head coach, man, and he just needs – he's probably one or two players away from, like, really breaking that, being a perennial playoff contender, that threshold. 
Whether that's the case or not, Mike, how do you sit in front of anybody and defend five and six losses of, of blown double-digit leads? You, you can't have that. How do you defend not one, not two, not three, four, five, six losses when you have leads to teams you should beat? You can't continue to make excuses for that. That's unexcusable. How do you come back from that? What do you, what do you, how are you going to defend that, Mike? I know what you're saying, and I know his potential may be there, and he will probably possibly get another chance if he's able to prove himself as a coordinator. But you can't argue the, the wins and losses that have occurred. I mean, you can't continue to blow leads and have a two and six record and keep your job. Um, I, I, you got me there. I'm at a loss for words. I'm never at a loss for words, but I, I tell you like this. Um, I try to look back um, for teams that I, I watch personally, covered personally and as a fan. And I go back to Tony Sperano um, in 2008 when he coached the Dolphins. Um, his first few losses, they were all single-digit leads, and whether it be a touchdown or three points. And you just got to coach better. And you got to – and it's and it's also on the players too, man, on that defense, giving up leads. What are we What are we doing wrong? Whether it be we're not uh, getting to the quarterback fast enough or we're not protecting the boundaries where teams attack us in a soft spot between the hash. It's – again, I don't really follow the Chargers too close – but I will tell you this, um, you got to put up more points. It's an offensive league. It's a passing league. Put up more points. Maybe it's on Justin Herbert. Nah, too soon. Uh, well, look, I, I may tend to agree with you, but Anthony Lynn's been the Chargers coach since 2017. Uh, so we're coming in three and four records. Um, he did lead them to a playoff berth his first season, uh, but – since then, because I'm showing here, they were 12 and four his first season. Um, but uh, I don't know. He just has he just has not got the the job done here as of late. And to blow the leads in the fashion that he's blown them, uh, I, I just don't think that that's something that you can overcome. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see if. I just got to believe with the talent they have there with the new stadium second year, I, I think they're going to be ready to move on. But Who's guys, first to go? Adam Gase or Anthony Lynn? Well, Black I thought doubt Adam Gase should have been gone weeks ago. There's no reason he should still even be the coach. So if he sticks around longer than anybody else, that's possible during the season, it'll be a travesty. So uh, we'll have to see how, what the Jets decide to do and how that plays out. Uh, but guys, let's look ahead real quick to the Raiders the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Broncos this week. The Broncos have been wildly inconsistent uh, throughout this season. Vic Vangio, the head coach over there in Denver, they've got some playmakers that they've drafted on the outside. But we've, we've talked about it this year with the Raiders. Uh, they, they may not be shored up on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, David uh, Derek Carr have, maybe has not uh, been as consistent as Raiders fans would like them to be, but they have found ways to win, and it looks like Gruden and company – I've got that team pretty well coached. So, guys, what do they have to do against the Broncos to secure a victory and continue the momentum in a positive direction? They got to they got to get back to running the ball, in my opinion. The Raiders obviously made the wrong draft choice in the first round. Once again, should have taken either CeeDee Lamb uh, or the other kid who's on the Broncos now. I can't think of his name off the top of my Jerry head. Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy. They should have taken. What about Justin Jefferson? 
Jefferson leading all the rookies. The Vikings. Oh, yes. I love Jefferson, man. That kid is so dynamic. I wish the Dolphins could have picked him up. Well, I'm sorry, Wiz. Go ahead. Yeah. You say, so, you say no to rugs, Spence, huh? It's just – okay. Well, I've actually thought about this, and I'm going to bring this up on my radio show too with uh, on Friday. It's just – is the threat of rugs more valuable than the production you get from Lamb? Because obviously it has opened up the game to an extent – but now the Raiders look like they're going to be without Alec Ingle for a while with a rib injury. And I know it doesn't sound important, but he is really the linchpin of the offense in the running game. When he came out of the game, they went from 7.2 yards per carry to 4.1 uh, after he had left, which is interesting. Uh, this, this is, again, this is the Raiders are going to come up on these games that they should win. But I know throughout my lifetime, basically, that the Raiders, whenever that's the case, it's just they find a way to lose and they end up going eight and eight uh, like they did uh, back in the day when they had like uh, Goskowski as their <laughs> quarterback and mm-hmm. Jason Campbell. It does feel that way. Although the Raiders had a much better defense back in there. It, it, the, the Raiders are like I've been saying throughout the show, the Raiders are liable to lose any game because of how bad their defense is. They're going to give up 31 points just about the Broncos look like they can score points too. So it comes down to whether or not I believe the Raiders can score 35 points on Sunday and it's at that point, it's a dice roll because Derek Carr is either going to have one of those games where he's a check down merchant or he's going to look down the field for Nelson Aguilar. I just don't know what it is because he's so inconsistent when it comes to that. Uh, before you jump in, Mike, uh, I'm going to give my last uh, Spence. I agree with you. I think the Raiders best chance for victory every week is to, to be run heavy. I think Josh Jacobs is clearly uh, their best player, probably a, on the entire team. He, he can be your most reliable and most productive player. I think he's capable of going for 125 plus each and every game. I think clock management and then using Derek Carr in the play action game. A lot of people don't give Derek Carr credit for his ability to scramble, uh, but I think he's able to extend plays more often than he's given credit for. And I think if you can give a heavy dose to Jacobs and use Carr in the play action game, we know how good they are at the tight end position. I think clock management is the way to go. Get that, Keep that defense off the field as long as possible. Do what the Vikings are doing right now, right? They're allowing Kirk, They're letting Kirk Cousins throw the ball 15 to 20 times a game, giving you a heavy dose of the run, controlling the clock, and dominating teams from the line of scrimmage. I think the Raiders would be successful with that same type of philosophy. Uh, no doubt in my mind that I think the Raiders can win this game. And just as you alluded to with the, with the skilled players, man, you got Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, and then Renfro. Like, that's way too much talent. I know there's they've been like a, a makeshift line over the last two weeks because of COVID and all this other stuff. But And then you look at that uh, Broncos defense, you know, they can still get out the quarterback. That front seven, you got to respect it. But ultimately, I, if from a betting standpoint, I would like to throw this out there. I would take the over. And, and I do like the Raiders win. This is because – it's too much in their favor. They they have chemistry together. You know, and that's it. Bottom line to me, offense wins games. Period. Mike, but before we sign you off here, uh, tell all the listeners out there what you're doing. Big things over at Vegas Sports Daily. Well, yeah, um, you can definitely go see our latest content at VegasSportsDaily.com. You can also see shows like the Rest Stop, um, Combat Short, uh, Combat uh, Sports Shows with Levels. It's a Jeremy Long and uh, Cassandra Cousin is a uh, rambling rail from Showtime TMT. And also one other final thing, um, the black hole. Um, you can watch it every Tuesday. Um, they, they talk about the Raiders. Uh, they bring on special guests. 
Um, tons of stuff going on in Vegas Sports Center, but it's live shows, podcasts, and also um, on, on the scene. But, guys, believe in Tua. I brought this out. I've been sitting this down right here. Believe in Tua. That's that's what I'm here for. I'm here for Tua, guys. Tua is going to take this team to the champion. Uh, I'm sorry, playoffs. Get there it is. Back on that. Sorry, guys. Got a little bit ahead of myself. Spence, I love what you're doing. Did you see? Did you see that latest uh, Tua Mandalorian uh, meme that's out? Did you see that? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I should. I, I, uh, I do a podcast so on them. Yes, and Brad, I love what you guys are doing. I, I watch it every every Tuesday, every Thursday. Um, Dave was a great insight to have some Dolphins and some Florida Gators. I miss Florida. I should be back down here sometime at the end of the month. But, guys, you keep crushing it, man. You guys are killing it. Mike, the time has flown by, my friend. We're going to have you back on to talk some boxing and, and MMA. And uh, we, we love you here at the rest stop and what you do at Vegas Sports Daily. We'll catch up with you soon, my man. Uh, Spence, let's get into our picks uh, this past week real quick. And then we're going to bring Dave back on for a minute. And me and him are going to wrap some AEW as they had a big pay-per-view that just went off this past weekend. And I know you're too busy to watch it, Spence, but it was killer. It was amazing. The Twitter universe is going crazy about it so we'll talk about that for a quick minute uh but brian bravo the legend the myth came on to pick against the believer and the whiz and he was so close spence he was so fumbling in his, he was fumbling in his britches he was so excited blowing up my phone about how he thought he had the chance to win outright and all he needed was for the patriots to win and cover and he yeah. had the outright victory that did not happen we all ended with the same five and seven record uh, and me and you were on the Jets, and they actually covered for the second time this season. Uh, we talked about that game at the beginning of the show, but let's run down quickly uh, the list of games this week and what we saw with those games. Bravo was the only one on the Bills this week as he was the sole winner as the Bills had one of those performances, guys, where they could show up any week and they, they can find a way to win. They've got the talent, but they're very inconsistent. Seattle had to travel West Coast, and they got blown out. So nice win from Buffalo. And are you a believer yet in Josh Allen, Spence? I was, and then I wasn't. It's crazy how <laughs> on them I was in the beginning of the season. I was betting them and betting them, and then suddenly start falling apart. I'm like, oh, maybe they're not as serious. And, of course, I even said this during last show. I said, I'm sure they're going to come out and blow them out. And uh, that's exactly what they did. This is an impressive team. They are who I thought they were. Uh, to to quote that, but yeah, they they they're as good as I thought they were in the first place. So I don't know why they've been playing like that for the whole season. I guess they only did lose twice, but I'm being a little dramatic. Yeah. Well, it's weird, Spence. We know what they can do when Josh Allen plays like that. They've got weapons on the outside, and Allen can extend plays with his legs. They can be very dynamic when they when they're on top of their game. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. I know Seattle's defense isn't that. Isn't very good, but Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo, Sean McDermott, the head coach, are two of the best coaches in the entire league. And we know what they're capable of doing. It's just a matter of them being consistent week in and week out. It was a big win for them, Spence. You mentioned on the show that if Buffalo got this win, you would be convinced. Uh, And like you said, kind of what you thought uh, up until that point. Yeah, for sure. And it's – I mean, I, I also a part of it is you just can't expect the team to play in the way you think in your mind every, from week to week. Like they're going to have some discrepancies, but 
I'm glad th- I'm actually glad they won because uh, I basically my assessment of them was pretty much correct for the whole season. And also just before we go on, <laughs> say what's up to Jose Valente. We're going to be on straight bet sports tomorrow at 9 PM. So you guys can catch us live for that. Yeah. Tell everyone real quick, Spence, where they can catch us uh, on Jose's show tomorrow. Cause we're myself and, and, and you are going to be on there joining Jose. Yep. So you just got to look up uh, Jose Volante. So I'll, I'll put it up right here. That's his Twitter. Uh, it starts at 9 p.m. And it'll be on our social medias. We'll end up retweeting them. So you don't have to worry too much about that. But uh, very excited. I love coming on his show. I can't wait for you to see the studio, Brad. He's got an awesome setup in there. It's going to be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. And I thank Jose and Spence. Uh, they filled in for me here on the rest stop a couple weeks ago, had a great show. And uh, it's going to be some dynamic sports talk when we have all three of us in studio in the same room. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow, nine o'clock Pacific time. So make sure you follow our social medias to check out that show live as we'll be doing it here in Las Vegas. Spence, the next game on the board, the Broncos, we were all on Denver. I don't know why. Uh, two teams that you can't trust taking on the Falcons. Uh, but the Falcons, since they've made that coaching change, have had more good games than not. And I think a lot of that is having Julio Jones back in the starting lineup as he missed some games from injury. Uh, a, a big key uh, to that offense, they were missing Calvin Ridley, but Julio Jones again in the lineup and a nice win for the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons defense still stinks on ice, obviously, and they just let go of McKinley, who they drafted in the first round of 2017. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes because he wrapped up 16 t- sacks, if I'm not mistaken, in his first two seasons. So he could be a pretty valuable commodity, but he was demanding a trade and for the last two seasons, and they didn't reward that for him, which is kind of crazy because I feel like they should have gotten him for at least like a six-round pick or anything, but they ended up just straight up releasing him. We'd know how talented this team can be on offense. Gurley looks like he's uh, not back in form all the way, but he's certainly a productive running back. Julio Jones is always going to be a top five receiver. Calvin Ridley is very talented, and they actually have a pretty decent tight end. So uh, this is the team I thought I was going to see at the beginning of the season. It's just hard to call them because sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. Spence, the Tennessee Titans, they took care of business. They got back on trap. The Bears uh, have not been very good since their quarterback change, and they've kind of fall, free-fallen a little bit. They're going to have a big game in division against the Vikings next week. Let's move on to the next round of games on the list, Spence. Uh, The Vikings looked impressive. Uh, Anybody that's known me for a long time, Dave, Spence, uh, you haven't known me as long, but you know uh, at least before the season. I've given my allegiance to the Minnesota Vikings franchise my whole life. I've recently announced all across the platform they are dead to me indefinitely. Um, So why they've decided to win all of a sudden is probably because I'll be picking against them every week. The gods up in the North have cursed myself and the Vikings franchise. So maybe now that they're dead to me, they may win their food or appear in their first Super Bowl in my lifetime. But they seem to have uh, found an identity and a philosophy that works for them. When Dalvin Cook's healthy, they've inserted Ezra Cleveland, the rookie from Boise State, into the right guard position. He's been getting better each and every week that he's been playing. Uh, Riley Reef, their left tackles, played great. Probably his best football as a Viking. Uh, Third-year right tackle Brian O'Neill from Pittsburgh has shored up the Vikings' offensive line, and it's allowed Dalvin Cook to really run wild as he had 200-plus yards against a bad Lions defense. Uh, but the Vikings are putting the ball in his hands, and they're not asking Kirk Cousins to do too much. They've really controlled the time of possession, something that they didn't do during the first half of the season. And Dalvin Cook looks like uh, he could be in conversation as one of the non-quarterback MVPs of the year. Spence, the Vikings are starting to play good football, and Dalvin Cook uh, is definitely the straw that stirs the drink for that team. 
Yeah, and I've been actually been on the Vikings. I was on them very early in the season until they really started to fall apart. But we know there's talent on this team. I know Kirk Cousins isn't a Hall of Fame quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he is very serviceable, very much to the level of Derek Carr, if you want to go there. Ugh, I hate saying that. But yeah, I, I feel like those two are pretty comparable. But to me, the biggest story of this game was the Lions, who I, I, I even though I did say I'm going to go against them because I think their hot streak is going to end, it's not really necessarily that is how bad their defense has been throughout this you know their offense has been okay but they are just opening up the floodgates I'm a fan of some of the talent they have defensively and you just got to wonder where it comes from I guess they don't know the Lions like that much individually but will they have another game next week against the Redskins which should help them get back on track to start winning some football games again but are they going to give up 28 points to Alex Smith I don't know it's kind of scary to think about yeah, and Matt Stafford left the game in the third quarter with concussion. That means Chase Daniel would fill in as the quarterback for the Lions. He filled in in some games for the Bears last year. But look, another coach who will be out at the end of the season, Matt Patricia, came from New England as a defensive guru, and this defense has been terrible for the Lions. So Patricia, uh, without a doubt, will be gone after this year. And uh, Brian Bravo, which really lost him this week, was taking the Colts. Uh, if you listen to my, and that's why I wanted him to go first, because if you listen back to the podcast, I wish, uh, Dave, I wish I could have borrowed a small loan on your home or, or from somebody because I was ready to give my life for this Ravens pick. And I was ready to put all my money up in the air. Uh, but I, I was not able to acquire enough funds. It looked shaky at first as Spencer the Wiz was panicking and texting me early. And Spence, what did I tell you after that first text? I said, it doesn't matter how quick a start <laughs> the Colts are going to get off to. They will not win that game. And then after that crazy interception call in their favor, uh, they kind of took control and they won, ended up uh, winning comfortably. So what were you thinking when you first got that text? And did, did I ease your, your anxiety a little bit when I told you not to worry? The most, the thing I'm most upset about about this Ravens team is they're not that great offensively. They have an, they have a great defense for sure, one that rivals the Steelers. But you know, we all say Lamar Jackson MVP, but you got to show it to me, man. This guy cannot pass the ball very effectively. It's crazy to me. I mean, t- they're kind of getting figured out, and yet, and then they end up having explosions. But they should be much more explosive offensively. I don't know what's going to happen with them. Well, they had they had a big turnover inside uh, the ten yard line that Gus Edwards just just kind of fumbled away the football. Um, but they their defense kind of settled in and, and held held tight. They ended up winning pretty comfortably. Uh, Spence, so so when did you first start to feel comfortable with with the Ravens winning that game handily? As very early, it didn't look great in the first quarter. Probably the defensive touchdown, and it's the, the right. The Ravens somehow are depending on special teams touchdowns and defensive touchdowns. They got to figure that out before the end of the season. I'm not sold on them with the playoffs at all. I mean, there's no surprise to me they got dominated by the Titans. If Lamar Jackson can't pass for over 200 yards in a game, how are they going to win any playoff games? Uh, Spence, the next game, Chiefs were at home taking on the Panthers. They barely won that game. The Panthers are still competitive week in and week out. Matt Rule has them ready to play McCaffrey's first game back. I was surprised to see them go up and down the field um, on the Chiefs defense, but they scored 30-plus points, and they seemed to answer every single score of the Chiefs. Spence, let's let's keep moving forward, though, in these picks and uh, go to the next matchup. The Texans, we were all on them, and me and you were texting, Spence. If it weren't for Deshaun Watson, this may be the worst team in the entire league. 
Yeah, they have the worst constructed roster. I sent you a screenshot with some highlights. I may post it on Twitter too. Just highlighting all the guys who they're paying that none of them are worth their contract. Uh, this is one of the most disgusting uh, missed lines I've ever seen in my life. They should have blown him out. Yeah, they re- they they really should have. Uh, in Jacksonville, with Jake Luton starting, kept that game close. We'll, we'll monitor Gardner Minshew's status moving forward. An NFC East battle: the Giants and Redskins. Alex Smith looks like he will be the quarterback moving forward. Something I've wished for all year, as I am kind of the cheerleader of the Alex Smith fan club. He threw for over 300 yards. Yes, he had three interceptions. One of them was definitely not his fault as his running back fell down and they kept the game close, but the Giants got the win. I'm interested to see if the if the Redskins or the Washington football team gets a, a spark uh, from Alex Smith being the permanent starter. Spence, let's keep moving here. We talked about Raiders, Chargers. Uh, you and Bravo were on the, on the side there. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Spence, uh, they should have lost this game, it looked like, really from dial to dial. Um, I have just been clamoring that the Steelers are way overhyped. They are undefeated, uh, but I am looking for them to free fall sooner than later. Spence, tell me what was going on in your mind as Dallas dominated that game for almost the entire four quarters. What were you thinking? I was thinking this is going to be the second coming of Kurt Warner, and I was laughing because my friend Kevin's a big Steelers fan, and it was just funny to see him call so many audibles. It looked like Peyton Manning out there, something you never see from a backup quarterback who basically just runs the play. He's bringing it down to two seconds before he snaps the ball. It was almost comical, uh, but yeah, they, they ended up finding a way. It was just annoying. Like The Steelers just play down to their competition. They have been bailed out a lot this season, I will admit. I'm not a Steelers fan. I hate the I almost said the bad word. I hate the Steelers very much, so I would love to see them lose every game for the rest of the season. But from my sports knowledge side, I know that they have a good defense. And if Big Ben can stay healthy a little, it looks like he gets hurt when he slides off of a rush. He should never be running. They should rather they should just take the fourth down rather than him slide to take the first because he's so fragile. And if he takes another sack like that, he could be out for the season. And if that's the case, Kyle Rudolph is one of the is just awful as a backup quarterback. He ain't going to take you anywhere. So they Mason have to Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, yeah. Kyle Rudolph used to be – is a tight end, right? Tight end for the Vikings. That's right. Spence, uh, we talked about the Dolphins and Cardinals, another nice win for Miami. Uh, Tampa Bay, New Orleans probably wow. shocked a lot of people how New Orleans dominated the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Uh, but maybe we had a little insight to that because Tampa Bay played a, a very, very close game against the Giants, a team they're far better than. So we've got to monitor Tampa Bay and see if they start maybe regressing a little bit here towards the middle of the season. Uh, Spence, what are the last game we finish up with, I believe, on Monday night? Uh, we talked about it, that at the beginning. So uh, the, the Jets just fumbled that away. Dave, uh, we got a few minutes left, so I'm going to bring you back on here real quick. Uh, Dave Perry. Dave, the AEW pay-per-view, and for anybody listening out there, AEW is uh, now rival competition to the WWE in the professional wrestling landscape. For my opinion, they putting on the best product around right now. Uh, I haven't seen it in its entirety, but the Full Gear pay-per-view got all the reviews uh, that everyone I've talked to. What were your thoughts on it and your thoughts of AEW as a whole? Man, like, it, see, AEW is, if you like wrestling, see, it's not as um i mean they have some comical stuff they do they try to do some out of the box but just straight up bell to bell move for move you're not touching AEW's product um full gear was um pretty much every single match was was four stars maybe with the exception of the female division i will say their women's division is is not very good um i i think 
part of that has to do with the, uh, the booking is done by um, Kenny Omega. And I think that's the, if, if you're going to do like one major criticism about AEW, I think not having anybody that assists with writing outside of like the core, um, uh, you know, the, the, the wrestlers themselves kind of make most of the moot, uh, you know, storylines and stuff like that. And then Tony Khan kind of approves or disapproves. I think that they could have a little bit more cohesion and like focus on the women's division. But they're, I mean, the Young Bucks versus FTR was that that's one of the best tag team matches I've seen in, in a minute. Um, I'm, still, I'm still dying to see that one, Dave. I'm trying to find it on YouTube. That's the one I want to see. The Young Bucks are incredible. They opinion. do. And the, and the thing is, is that you don't have to go back to, I know that WWE claim clings to the uh, PG era because they make a lot of money and, you know, and, and they, they want to make it a more, what they consider like a family or a wholesome product, but you can, you can do what AEW is doing and, and have an edgierness to their content, their content and not be um gratuitous like it was back in like when we really liked wrestling when it was the bra and panty matches and and you know really absurd stuff i think the the thing with aew is it feels more real from like an like if you're looking at from an adult because at the end of the day it's two people like they're presenting it as two people fighting so if two guys are fighting they're not going to get in in the ring and say dumb corny you know jokes and blah 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 blah, blah. they're going to say i'm going to beat your you know, I'm going to beat your ass instead of, you know, beat your butt kind of thing. And I think that 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 makes it more, you know, compelling TV. And then they got wrestlers that can go. So, well, Dave, uh, tell me your top three wrestlers or characters from the AEW product real quick. Top three. Uh, Orange Cassidy from Love him. Love him. from a uh, entertainment standpoint. Love him. Uh, he's my favorite. I, I mean, he can go. Don't get me wrong. He can go. I mean, he's not the best wrestler. Uh, you know, out there, but the uh, but he can go. Um, I the Lucha Bros are amazing. Uh, I watched them in uh, in Lucha Underground product. That yeah, was on, uh, they were great. Yes, Lucha Bros are are to me best tag team in the world. Um, they're they're phenomenal. And Kenny Omega, if they they're starting to do it with the cleaner thing now, and they're kind of transitioning him. But if you go back and you watch, uh. Uh, New Japan and some of the stuff that he was doing there on, I mean, dude is, he's, he's nasty. So, um, and we need to get Spence on the wrestling. He's not that busy. No, he's pretty busy, Dave, but we'll try to get him on it. Dave, I appreciate you spending a little time with us again tonight. We'll have you back on to talk about more of the stuff you're working on with your podcast and some of the stuff you got, got going on. Love you, man. Thanks for taking out a little time. Give the best. Bro, I, I, I got some picture. I got another picture for you to see. You know how you said you wanted to talk about that picture that I posted on Facebook of my wife trying to kill me. I got another one. Just I'm telling <laughs> you, it's going to happen. All right. We'll be looking out for it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Love you, man. Take care. All right. Bet. Later. Spence, bring you back on here. Let's quickly preview Thursday night game. Uh, the Titans, I believe, are taking on the Colts in Tennessee. Who do you like in that matchup? I think it's a short line. I think Tennessee's one and a half, two point favorite. Gosh, this this game is going to be. I, this is the best game of the week to me, uh, including Sunday's games. It's so interesting to see these teams it's a, are really it's a at huge a, game. Huge game yeah, for the division. Massive. Two teams that really feel equal. 
Oh, I, am I going to take the Colts here? I, <laughs> I think I am. I, I just feel like defensively the Colts are good enough to stop Tennessee, and I'm not so confident about Tennessee's defense, so I'm going to go with the Colts. Look, having Darius Leonard back for the Colts is really important for them. Uh, he's really he's really the anchor of that defense. Uh, but you know how I feel about the Colts? I don't think maybe they're, they're, they're not really as bad as, as I wanted to make them out to be. Uh, look, Phillip Rivers is one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the league because of how good that Colts offensive line is. So you're able to cover deficiency in Phillip Rivers' mobility by having such a great offensive line, which the Colts have. So uh, we'll see if they can still mix up their running game and and, and be effective. But but I do think uh, Tennessee is the better team, and I think they get the win. Guys, if you missed any part of the show, you can check out the podcast form of the Red Sox. I Apple Apple Podcast, Audio Boom, Spotify. Make sure you search Landry Football Conference Call and then the rest up underneath there. And then every Tuesday and Thursday live, 9 o'clock Pacific time, download the Twitch app and then go to www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. We'll be back Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm glad the believer. Have a great night. We'll see you back here. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.